It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Well, it was the media day at Spa when Motorsport.com's Formula One editor, Jonathan Obel and I, have been on the ground ahead of the Belgian Grand Prix. We've actually just run the track and we're driving back to our Airbnb in Jalais nearby. It's really quite a, quite a quick journey into, into the famous track here at spa Francorchamps, And now uh, we thought we'd try something different, a hands-free podcast recording as John drives us back. So, John, as I was saying, we, we just run the track. It's my very first experience of uh, running around Spa. And I have to say, it lived up to its reputation. Everything was shockingly steep, both uphill and downhill. So we negotiate our way out of the, uh, out of the tight car park gear. Um, how did you get on? How did you find that? Yeah, it's a track I absolutely love running and absolutely hate running. Um, it's a real challenge, but it's one of those <clears throat> circuits where you really appreciate what the track's like by running it. TV doesn't do it justice because um, everyone talks about Eau Rouge and how steep it is uh, and it really is in real life but I think what's more surprising for me is the drop down to Puon I mean it's so so steep uh, it must be phenomenal in a Formula 1 car that was the bit that really surprised me in terms of when you when you play it on a on a, on a console game or watch it on TV it just looks looks fairly fairly flat and fairly nice but actually it's a good long steep run down which is good because you've worked up uh, you've worked up quite a sweat and you're quite out of breath by the time you get to the top of Lake Om I can tell you but anyway I was very pleased uh, that was my first uh, first victory although of course these are non-competitive uh, <laughs> non-competitive runs we do I beat you John but uh, uh, I, I, I'm only pleased with that because Luke Smith regularly defeats me so there we go uh well 
let's get on to the big talking points of the day. And obviously, it's still still rather a somber event this year, following on the uh, the tragic events 12 months ago, where Formula Two driver Antoine Hubert sadly uh, lost his life in an accident, uh, a crash uh, at the top of Eau Rouge around Radion. They've actually changed the barriers this year because of what happened there last year. A lot of work being done. And, uh, and he's very much at the forefront of uh, everybody's minds, particularly the drivers. There's a special um, logo that's going to be on all their cars. I think uh, several of them I saw had them on their on their clothing today. Uh, obviously, his good friend Pierre Gasly uh, was uh, quite moving in his uh, in his press conference, talking about how well he knew him, how shocked he still is. And there'll be a minute silence ahead of the Formula Two feature race on Saturday, and also another minute silence ahead of the Grand Prix on Sunday. So yeah, John, what what was what did you find the atmosphere today? Because it's still it's still actually still quite strange for everybody in addition to, to, to the somber mood because of the the covid protocols mean that we're not getting the full flavor because everybody's locked away in their various bubbles including us just in the media center so how, how did you find spa uh, 2020 your first impressions yeah i mean the, the year is quite strange because uh we are a bit isolated in the media center we're not allowed to for understandable reasons not allowed to walk up and down the paddock and speak to people and i think that was one of the notable things last year was we came back to spa from the summer holidays everyone was in a great mood relaxed ready for a you know what should have been a, a thrilling finale to the season and Saturday you know the world changed it was I've never seen a paddock atmosphere change so fast become so somber so sad and it, it kind of just robbed everything from from the weekend and it took time to pick up so I think today it's been harder to read the paddock but I think it was quite moving hearing what Pierre Gasly was saying today we saw the images he took some flowers up to Radion and he talked about how you know, it's difficult for him to even comprehend what happened last year or accept it or understand it. Um, so I still think he's he's hurting from it. A lot of drivers are hurting from it. A lot of drivers have said something. And I think, you know, it's just confirmation that, you know, Antoine will not be forgotten. Absolutely not. And we, uh, we're passing all our best to his to his family and friends and we'll be thinking about him across the weekend. Um, well, I mean, in addition, all the, all the usual news topics came up. Uh, obviously, lots of speculation still about the future of various drivers Sebastian Vettel again was giving very little away in his in the Ferrari press conference today but also sort of perhaps slightly more interesting if, if Sebastian Vettel is as, as he is wont to do not say what's happening about his future well let's let's chat quickly about uh, about Kimi Raikkonen this is one of our bite-sized podcasts that we do at the start of the weekend so we're going to attempt to wrap up various topics as we go through uh, go through our drive to Jalais we're just stopping at a red light there is actually it's interesting coming coming through um you know on this drive very, very few people, obviously, because there's, you know, it's a, it's a closed doors event. Normally, the traffic getting in and out of Spa, I can remember when I was last here, 2017, to cover Formula 2 and GP3, it was an absolute nightmare. But anyway, we'll, uh, as, we, uh, as we wait for the lights to change, there's some roadworks going on into the, into, into, the, into the track here. We'll come to, to Kimi Raikkonen, first of all. A driver out of contract at the end of the year. He comes to the end of his uh, initial two-year stint at Sauber, now Alfa Romeo, obviously, with the deal there. And, uh, and he was sort of most direct he's been, you know, um, about, about what might happen. He says that he's not decided, but it sounds like, you know, it's, it's not the sort of thing that's going to be taken out of his hands, would you say, John? Yeah, it was interesting, his choice of words, because Kim, you know, Kim is not someone who says a lot or explains a lot and hates, hates pretty much talking about things like this where, where things aren't decided. He's very much a man that wants to ask about tangible things, uh, real things and real racing things. So any silly season stuff doesn't float his boat. But it's quite interesting to use the word I've not decided. It wasn't that I've not thought about it or I've not thinking about it or I want to wait till the end of the year. It was very much as though he is weighing up whether to continue or not. And I think the thing for him is he's a man driven by success and being competitive. Um, I don't sense he's enjoying you know, battling at the back of the grid. Uh, and I think you know, he's enjoying family life. He's enjoying 
pushing his son into karting. Um, he's got his obviously his moto moto teams and stuff as well. So you know maybe this could be Kimi's last year in Formula One. Well, we speculated this on uh, on earlier podcasts coming from uh, the Silverstone races. Of course, there's still that. I'm still it still makes me laugh to this day about the the radio message where he's called in at the last minute or told to stay out at the last minute uh, during the British Grand Prix, and he's absolutely furious response to his engineer. And uh, and then again, there's you know there's there's moments in in other races where he's he's absolutely livid at various things going on. So it's certainly not all harmonious, Alfa Romeo. Uh, but another driver who who commented on on it on about his future was Sergio Perez. Obviously, his second race back with Racing Point following his missed events at Silverstone because of his positive coronavirus test. He says that he's not talking to any other teams about where he'll be going next year. And obviously it was interesting, that's a, it's been quite a change of tax, John, since we probably last spoke about Perez on, on a podcast, uh, you and I, that is. Um, because, you know, a little while ago when, you know, the first, uh, first rumours emerged about perhaps Sebastian Vettel going there, he was sort of coming out and saying, well, if anybody's going to go, there's only going to be one driver going, meaning himself, because Lawrence Stroll is not going to is not going to fire his son Lance. So Lance was was certainly not in any mood to talk. It was a case of rather interesting responses when uh, when when asked about this. Said uh, I'm not going to give you the story you want to sell to one journalist, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, what do you make of uh, Perez's remarks there that he's not talking to any other teams, and is that a sign that perhaps he's got some growing confidence that he will be staying with Racing Point as expected when it becomes Aston Martin? Yeah, I think the fact he's not talking to anybody else probably indicates that there's been some movement. Um, I think when the, the Vettel rumours first surfaced, there was a lot of, um, you know, indications and suggestions that it was a, you know, fair complete that Vettel was going to go in there and it'll all be announced and done in a in a matter of days. But it doesn't seem to be moving on that quickly. Uh, I think also Seb's not in a rush to decide what he wants to do or you know what he wants to commit for next season. So I. Th- you know, with all these things, a lot takes place in the background. Lawyers are involved. Uh, I'm sure Perez's lawyers have been through his contract and know exactly the rights and wrongs of it. But I think if he sensed he was going to leave, if he sensed that there was a risk of losing his seat, I think he would certainly be in talks with somebody else. So I think the fact he's not probably tells us he feels quite comfortable with where he's at. Another interesting thing Sergio Perez was asked about today was the fact that we've now got a complete Formula One calendar for 2020. It's going to be 17 races. We hope, obviously, that could still change if, sadly, the coronavirus pandemic means that some more races have to be cancelled. And uh, there's going to be, you know, the, the, the expected events to close out the season, two in Bahrain and one in Abu Dhabi. But also Turkey will come back just before then for its first race since 2011. Well, actually, Perez competed because that was his first year in Formula One. Um, it's interesting hearing him talk about that, joking with Lance Stroll that Stroll's uh, driven at a fair few tracks but obviously not that one um, so yeah interesting interesting to, that the drivers are, are being asked their perspective I can remember um, I asked Nico Hulkenberg a question at the, uh, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix about the Argyle circuit and his first, his answer was because he won there in GP2 well that was so many years ago I can't remember although he did go on to give quite a, a good explanation of what the track is like so it's interesting you know isn't it because the, the calendar John is so different now and so different to normal as well as a result of everything that's had to happen just to get a calendar organised the drivers are sort of you can sense there's a bit of excitement about some of the tracks that we're going to particularly in two races time Mugello yeah it's a great great calendar I think one of the you know there's always a, always some good comes from bad uh, opportunities come from crises uh, and it's kind of been forced on Liberty's hand but they've needed to get some tracks having races that they can get quickly and guarantee and are in good positions for them and it just so happens you know we've got Mugello we've got Imola we've got Turkey Portimao um you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing Formula 1 cars at Mugello. Uh, you know, I've watched MotoGP there. Uh, blisteringly fast track. It's narrow, not much runoff, not much room for error. So while you know, I'm not expecting it to produce a, a fantastic race and 
one of the greatest spectacles on Sunday. I think as a weekend, as a new challenge for teams and for drivers, and simply for us, seeing a Formula One car at a new venue as quick as that, I think it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. George Russell said in his uh, in the Williams media press conference that uh, he's tried it on the simulator and described it as bonkers. So obviously there's quite a bit of excitement about what we're going to what we're going to arrive at in two races time, which of course is Ferrari's 1000th Formula 1 Grand Prix. They'll be very much looking forward to that. Certainly lots of celebrations that you must check out on autosport.com, autosport.com plus and on motorsport.com as well, motorsport.com prime. Um, but yeah, before before we get ahead of ourselves, we've got a Belgian Grand Prix to discuss, which we'll be bringing you another bite-sized podcast tomorrow and on Saturday. Um, and of course our big post-race analysis on Sunday night. Uh, but actually let's go back to, to George Russell because it's interesting hearing what he was saying about uh, Williams and the new owners there because obviously another big talking point that uh, well a big uh, a big development that occurred ahead of this weekend at Spa was that Williams has been sold for the first time in the team's history the family will not be in control of it's been sold to an American investment company which obviously secures the team's future they're very happy and positive about that and uh, and yeah Russell sort of was asked about that in the press conference and uh, just before we go on to, to discuss what he says I'm going to do another shameless plug my uh, my cover feature of Autosport magazine came out today you can read uh, uh, you know an interview with George Russell his chances of perhaps going to the Mercedes team one day obviously he still remains on, the, on their books as a Mercedes junior driver. Do check that out in Autosport magazine. It'll also be available shortly on autosport.com plus. But yes, uh, Russell said that the, that the new owner at Williams is going to be is currently doing a full review, particularly when it comes to team management, because basically he was asked, you know, who's going to be your boss next year, was essentially the, the, the gist of the question. Obviously, uh, because as a Formula One driver, as they often do, he skirted around the, skirted around the issue, but he did in, interestingly uh, reveal that they yeah, the new owner doing a full review on the team management. Now, obviously, we... we we're not going to know what the results of that will be for some time, I'm sure, and you know certain things that they'll be looking at, John. But effectively, do we think that that means that you know the Williams family? I'm thinking Claire Williams at deputy team principal. Is that the sort of changes that might be made? Would it be go that senior, or is it just sort of the standard thing that a new owner would do at a new team? Is just to, to look in, bring in their own people, keep keep existing people on. You never know. Just just that's just sort of the standard practice. Would you say? Well. I think it's the intelligent thing to do because all too often you you have new owners come in and then they make bold claims about we can do great things as a team, we can be on the podium in two years and be winning races and rah 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 make all these huge promises but then these things don't follow through and you realise how difficult it is so I think it's really encouraging that you know, this company has come in with open eyes, it appears to be making intelligent moves, um, the fact it's going to do a full review and I think you know everything should be on the table, You know, if it feels the current management team's working it keeps it. If it doesn't, if it wants changes, if it wants you know more support or different people coming in, then you know I think that's totally the right approach. Um, you know, better that than you know the bold bold claims today that you know Williams can be winning races and championships by next year. Absolutely, and uh, just just to, just to clarify what I was getting at when I sort of introduced that topic was not to say that there's any any speculation or any threat to someone like Claire Williams's position, but it's just you know when when you're asked about you know who the team management is going to be, obviously you're going to start at the top where it currently where, what it, how it currently resides. Uh, well, as we uh, as we speed towards, although a very sensible law-abiding speed, I must say, John, towards our accommodation in Jalais, which is a very nice uh, rural farmhouse, I must say, although the Wi-Fi does leave a little bit to be desired. So, uh, John, let's come on to our final discussion point for this bite-sized podcast, which 
adventurers. Again, Lewis Hamilton, very eloquent and uh, very interesting remarks regarding the Black Lives Matter and the uh, the protests following yet another tragic shooting in the United States. Because it's interesting that um, obviously he's been very outspoken for a number of races and and and, and clearly, you know, a, a sort of a leader, particularly in Formula One, given his position, given his background, and and everything that he's done is, should be applauded and encouraged. But again, he's being asked because the the NBA and other other sports leagues in America teams have actually been withdrawing from competition in protest at you know the lack of progress when it comes to racial equality as interesting he was saying that you know he doesn't have any plans to do anything similar this weekend i think he's saying you know you know what will that achieve that the race would still go ahead if he did that so he's, he's you know i think he's just continue, keen to make sure it continues being a discussion point you know he was obviously going to get asked that today because it's obviously he's been leading the the campaign in formula one and you know pushing very hard and i think he gave the right answer um, I think it'd be unrealistic to expect Lewis Hamilton to boycott a race by himself. Um, he's got a championship to fight for, and, it, and you know, Formula One's a team sport. Can't expect his, you know, a team of a thousand people working for him, and then no matter you know how big the stance is for him to pull out and potentially cost them a world championship. So, I mean, I think what the drivers do want to do is they want to make a stand. They want to do something that shows their support for the campaign, their support uh, for anti-racism, but. I don't think it was going to go as far as a, a boycott or anything, especially, you know, in the efforts that Formula One's made to get this sport going again, uh, you know, and how close we were to, to losing teams and stuff. I think it'd be a pretty silly thing to start boycotting races and risking the future of teams. Indeed. Well, as we head into the darkness, it really does got dark very, very quickly as we're driving back from the track here. We're nearing our accommodation at Jalais, so we should wrap up this podcast, otherwise we miss the turning, as we have done twice now, I think. Well, we certainly did the first time. I might have spotted it the second time around as we, we came back from the shops after we arrived in London yesterday. So I just say, uh, John, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. And uh, just very quickly to everybody, thank you very much for listening. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that, as I said earlier, the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out today and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers. It's packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And if you'd like to check out Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash bus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92%? Because of a bike? 
not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.